Good morning. Happy Mother's Day again. Today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So um, it's really fun. We're in the middle of a series called This I Believe, and um, we are just kind of focusing in on rudimentary things. What in the world is going on? What does it mean when people talk about God the Father? What does it people mean when they talk about the Bible or Jesus? All these basic, basic ideas that sometimes we just take for granted. We, go, we gloss over them, and we're like, oh, you know, in uh, Leviticus it says this. And people are like, what's a... What's a What's a Levit- Leviticus? Um, so it's a perfectly normal response. And so we're trying to uh, just explore these uh, ideas, uh, these very basic ideas of what is it that we actually believe. And one of these major issues is the Holy Spirit. I was even asked this morning, it was really funny, we, we got really into the weeds uh, last week about the Bible. What is the Bible? And somebody comes up to me. Well, what's the role of the Holy Spirit when we read the Bible? I was like, ha I got you. Because guess what we're talking about today? Uh, the Holy Spirit all day long coming at you. Now, the Holy Spirit, some of you are like, what, 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 is, the, what is this? Because as humanity in society goes, we are very comfortable with the idea of God the Father, God the Creator. This is something that we're like, okay. I, I mean, culture from our... our any writings or TV shows or everything, God is mentioned a lot. And that's generally in the idea of God as creator, God, like divine mo- uh, prime mover, divine, whatever, the puppet master, whatever that looks like. But God is like, okay, uh, okay, I can buy into that one. Jesus, the idea of Jesus as a, <clears throat> in the human story, as some sort of redeemer, as some sort of rescuer, is very easy for us to attach ourselves to. There's always the hero of the story that is the, they're going to ride in and save the day. Okay, okay, okay. But we get really uncomfortable with this idea of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? What, what does that look like? I don't know. But I, I want to go back to the creator part. I want to go back to the Savior part. I'm comfortable with that. I got that. I got it quantified. I understand it. Go ahead. Holy Spirit, we're kind of like, what's, uh, what is it? what's this? Also, the creep factor goes up when you start referring to it as the Holy Ghost. Right? And you're like, I ain't afraid of no ghost. Do, 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 do. Right? You get some, get some Ghostbuster music going on or whatever. You're like, what, what, is, what is this? What kind of stuff is going on? And so today we're going to delve into the Holy Spirit and hopefully clarify some things, give you some understanding, a, a, a basis in which, okay, I want to interact with the Holy Spirit in a meaningful way. Because when we do, do not interact with the Holy Spirit, we are kind of cutting ourselves out of a third of who God is. And it's very easy for someone to think, okay, Jared just talked about three different gods. He talked about God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, that's we're not worshiping three different gods here. We're, it's, that's all God just revealing himself in three different ways, acting into humanity's story in three different ways. Okay? That's a very rudimentary way of explaining the Trinity, which would take weeks upon weeks upon weeks, and everybody's heads would explode with smoke and fire and all kinds of fun things. Um, so we're delving into why is the Holy Spirit important? Why is it important? It's important because it's a third of who God is of how he reveals to himself. In actuality, the Holy Spirit is how he relates to us today. How he guides us today. How he enables Christians to walk this walk, to 
Live a life of faith today. Interacting with the Holy Spirit enables us and empowers us to do that. So why is it important? Because this faith thing is, is impossible without the Holy Spirit walking with us. So we have to talk about this. Pentecost, the celebration of when the Holy Spirit comes is in a couple of weeks. But you guys don't have that marked on your calendars, right? You've got Christmas marked down. Because you get gifts. You got Easter because the bunny comes. But Pentecost, the third person of the Trinity coming with flames on, in the upper room on top of your head. You guys are like, what? It's an axe. It's okay. You know, the, 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 the whole representation of the Holy Spirit coming to earth. We're like, I don't even know. Pena, 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 what? It's Pentecost. Because we just kind of ignore that because we're like, eh, I don't know. So I want to kind of pierce that I don't know and help us relate to the Holy Spirit today. Why is this important? Because our serious theme is this. What we believe dictates how we act, and how we act dictates how others see us. What we believe dictates how we act, and how we act dictates how others see us. Nothing affects the way in which we live out our faith more than our thinking on the Holy Spirit. Nothing, nothing does. And so you've got this, uh, your belief about the Holy Spirit is this really fun $5 word. It's called pneumatology. Pneumatology. Isn't that a fun word? Pneumatology. Which basically it's the study of the breath of God. That's even cooler, I think. So pneuma is the Holy Spirit. And so if you have pneumonia, what you really have in Greek is bad breath. That's what that means. Uh, you guys didn't care, so that's okay. Um <laughs> I enjoy that. Uh, I always like that joke. No one ever laughs, but I still say it every time. Last week we talked about delving into the scripture and getting a biblical basis for uh, everything that we believe. Where does this come from? Well, today, largely, the text is John 14 and 15. It's two complete chapters. I'm not going to read them all for you today because it's two whole chapters, and that's what we do for the next 15 minutes, and you guys would be asleep. So um, it's not a boring chapter. It's a fantastic chapter. It's an amazing chapter. What John 14 and 15 are is it's this investment into who, um, into who, in Jesus, into the disciples of who the Holy Spirit's going to be. Because they have no idea who the Holy Spirit's going to be. They have no recollection of this. They have no idea of this. They are going through uh, life and going, okay, Jesus, you've been doing kind of some weird things. John 13, you just washed my feet, and I don't know what that was all about. Okay? And you keep on saying you're going away, and you're leaving, and you're doing these things. Because here in about four hours after John 13, he's going to be arrested. All right? This is all going to escalate quickly. And so this is the Thursday night before Friday, before he is crucified, and so all these things are happening. Well, Jesus is trying to give them, this is what I want you to know. Get this into your brains. And so what he says is, here we go. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to send the advocate, the helper to you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. I will not leave you. And that's what John 14 and 15 are all about. And so we have to have this, this exegesis type idea. This is another big word that we talked about last week. Kind of really went fast over it. But the difference between eisegesis and exegesis. I said, Jesus, is this. Your opinion, opinions inform what you read. Your opinions inform what you read. This is not good. 
Okay, your opinions inform what you read. This is what we do on Facebook all the time. <laughs> like we find a fact and then we like turn it all into what we wanted to read in the first place. And we're like, the pen is blue. I'm keep on saying it's red. Uh, but you know, our opinions inform what we read. Exegesis is this. What you read informs your opinions. This is how we properly study the Bible. What you read informs your opinions. This is the proper way to do it. Let me give you an example. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. And all the mamas said, amen. All right. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you have a long life on earth. And some of you are like, where is that scripture? I'm plastering it all over my house. Right? Because I said, Jesus says, I need a parenting scripture that I can whack my kid upside the head with. Children, obey your parents. And if I'm looking and I'm mad and I Google scriptures for parents, this one will pop up. It's Ephesians, uh, I think, 4, 6. No, 6, 1, sorry. Ephesians 6, 1. Except, if you read it, like I said, Jesus, and you want to you hear something you can beat your kids up with, you read it just like I do. However, if you read it exegetically, exegesis, this is how this same scripture goes. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. This is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you have long life on earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. The NIV says, do not exasperate. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Oh, that sounds like a lot of work on my part. I like the obey your parents part. Right? So do you see the difference between eisegesis and exegesis? Exegesis, when you read it in context, you're like, there was part for them and there's a part for me. Both are equally as strong. Now, kids could read this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Say, Dad, you're uh, provoking me to anger. You are wrong. See, you just totally missed the first part. Obey your parents. Also, this part, rather bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord, which implies that the exasperation, that the frustration is coming from that you don't have enough discipline in your life. So put that in your pocket for a second. Um, but as we study that, you see the difference between the Jesus and the Jesus. I said, Jesus, I took that scripture like, oh, I want this one. I can, I can attack my dad with that, or I can attack my kids with this. But if you read it and let the scripture speak into you, it's saying, oh, this is a two-way street. This is, a, this is I need to obey my parents, but my parents also need to come at me with, with, with a discipline and teach me in the ways of the Lord. You see the difference? Okay. We've got to do the same thing with how in which we study all the things that we're studying, but especially the Holy Spirit. So, homework for this week Read John 14 and 15. Read the whole thing, 14 and 15. It'll take you about five minutes, but read it over and over again a couple times. Underline where it talks about the Holy Spirit, the words that it uses to describe the Holy Spirit. Start forming basis from that. Now, from there, you can start working farther out. What's it talking about the Holy Spirit? How does this, how does this work? Then you can jump to Acts and start reading the book of Acts. Once you have a, a foundation of John 14, 15 of what the Holy Spirit is, read all of Acts. And Acts is basically the living out of the Holy Spirit doing these things, being the advocate and the guide. 
that we're going to explore here in just a second. What does the Holy Spirit do? What do you say you do here? Because we talk about it, we sing the song, this I believe, God the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, I believe all this stuff, but what, what function, what purpose, what, what does that do? Glad you asked. The Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit teaches. John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. What does the Holy Spirit do? It teaches. And so the Holy Spirit is going to be the advocate. It's a representative of God. It's going to be teaching people and reminding them of all the things that Jesus had downloaded to them in three years of ministry. Holy Spirit does this when you're reading the scripture and you're, you're maybe exploring a scripture that you've never even read before, never even heard anybody preach over. And then you start making connections. Things start coming alive to you. And, oh, this makes sense. This speaks into this. This connects to this. this is, that's the Holy Spirit working in how we study the scripture. And the Holy Spirit, we get to see it work and, and move in us as we, as we delve deeper and deeper and deeper into it. As we delve deeper into the, into the Bible. As we delve deeper into conversations and life groups. If you've been a part of a life group, you've seen the Holy Spirit work on a passage in your group. Right? This, it'll start with a question. What does this mean? I feel silly for asking this. And everyone in the group goes... Thank you. We had no idea what that meant in the first place. right? And then all of a sudden, this beautiful teaching and guiding happens. And that's the Holy Spirit working. That's not the teacher being uber smart. right? Trust me, I'm a life group leader. That's not what's happening. What is going on is the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, here's a group of believers gathering together in prayer. And let me direct them and teach them and guide them. That's what's going on. Number two, the Holy Spirit guides. John 14, 15, and 18. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you an, another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives in you now and, and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. I think this passage uh, speaks a lot to us. Why were he be jeebied out about the Holy Spirit, Right? The world cannot receive him because it isn't even looking for him. It doesn't recognize him. And so we have this earthly idea of who God the creator is. We can, okay, I can argue with you, whatever. This idea of everyone's, we kind of need a savior. Something needs to be set right. People will start to understand that. But this whole idea of the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? What does that look like? I can't understand it because you can't really understand it until you know you need him. It's just one of those quagmires. But this promise of verse 18, this should be underlined in everyone's Bible. No, I will not abandon you. I will come to you. Isn't that beautiful to think about? These guys are getting ready to lose their master, lose their rabbi, lose the guy they've been following around for three years. And his words to them is, no, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He hasn't left us. He hasn't abandoned us. But he comes to us in the form of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides. So say you have a big choice to make. Let's make this real practical. You've got a job, 
uh, situation coming up. Maybe you are blessed and you have the decision between two different jobs. Woo-woo. Maybe three. Okay, Let's, you're real lucky right now. Uh, you have three job opportunities, and how do you make the decision? Maybe you're wondering, should I ask this person to marry me? Should I continue this relationship? Should I whatever? Like, these are deep, hard questions. What does this look like? Maybe you are wondering, should I go to this school? Should I pick this major? Maybe should I do this? Should we move? Should I invest? You've got big questions. Like these questions, they're not just little ones. They're ones like, this is going to affect me 20, 30 years down the, the, the road. How do we affect this? Well, the Holy Spirit's purpose is to guide us in those kinds of questions. What does that mean? How does that look? That's really nice, Jared. Do I just kind of throw something against a wall and have, a, have something? 50-50. You know, Moses did that in the Old Testament. He's got some, some sort of prehistoric dice that he rolls down. He's like, okay, God said yes. I have no idea what that looked like. This divine craps that he's shooting. I have no idea what that, what that was. Um, but it, it's, it's in there, and it's called the ephod, and you get these two little bone thingies they unties from his shirt and does it. That's not the way in which we're going to do this, all right? The Holy Spirit comes and guides us in this way. And he always follows this kind of example. So these are really, really important for you. Ask the question. Does it follow Scripture? The Holy Spirit will never counteract Scripture. Never counteract Scripture. We used to, <laughs> at a church I worked at uh, before here, uh, pastor gave this amazing marriage message about how you should be committed and, and what that looks like and getting through tough times. I mean, it was one of the best marriage messages I ever got. He comes, he goes, Jerry, get in my office. And I'm like, yes, Pastor Chuck. Come in. When he talked to you at the office, you were like, Yes, sir. A lot like our work environment around here. Um, and so <laughs> I'm glad Kevin and Yvonne are laughing. Uh, so, so I got in there and he's like, look at this email. Shows me this email. And it's from this guy. And he says, I'm so glad about your, your message yesterday. It gave me the courage to leave my wife. He was like, what did I say yesterday? <laughs> I was like, what? Um, and so this idea of if you're asking the question, should I leave my wife? Should I do that? Whatever. Does it follow scripture? The scripture won't lead you to follow, to, to do that. Okay. Um, but it, the scripture will never, con- contra- the Holy Spirit will never contradict the scripture. That is what you really need to, to see what I'm, I'm saying that whole point. Does it follow scripture? Maybe you go, uh, I don't think that applies, Jared. Okay, fair enough. And you go to the second question. Second question is this. How can I love God and love people with this choice? Because the two greatest commandments that the, the scripture gives us are what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if I'm going to be doing something, if the choice in this leads me not to be loving God well, then I'm probably got my answer. If the choice in this, uh, the Holy Spirit will say, mm, uh, no. The Holy Spirit really isn't in the, the gig of making the answers for you. Um, it, it doesn't do that. It doesn't. God likes it that we have free will. He designed us that way on purpose so that we are forced to, to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the relationship with him. To seek him out more. To seek his guidance more. And so us saying yes or no questions God will love to answer this way. Maybe. Read Jesus, all the parables. He always answers a question, a direct, easy question with another question. It's very jerky of him. 
and it annoys the tar out of people. Because he always wants to go deeper. Than, what's the underlying issue? What, how do I take you to the next level? How do I get more out of you in this? So when you are struggling with these questions and you're needing the Holy Spirit's guidance, you ask the question, how can I love God and love people with this choice? If I can't do one or the other, you got your answer. Third, what will cause me to rely or grow in my relationship with God? What will cause me to rely on God more or grow in my relationship with God? Maybe you have two really good options, but one of them is easy street and the other one's an adventure. Which one's going to cause you to rely on your uh, or grow in your relationship with God more? You may have your answer there. The Holy Spirit shows us the trail in which we can have this amazing adventure with God. He's a guide. So come on, let's go this way. And so t- many times in our life, we sit at the trailhead and we go, you know what? That looks a little sketchy. The RV park's right there. I'm going to go sit there. And I think the Holy Spirit looks at us and goes, but that's, but that's not an adventure. And I've created you for more, and I've called you for more, and we can go on an adventure. Why don't you come with me? But we take the easy and the safe route, and we never get to experience the fullness of what the Holy Spirit is calling us out to be. The Holy Spirit equips 1 Corinthians 12. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There's different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of all of them. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives a great faith to another and someone else the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether the message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while others is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is one and the only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, there's all kinds of different spiritual gifts in there. Some of them you might have questions about. What does that actually mean? What does that look like? Those are fantastic questions to have. But what I want you to take from this is that the the Holy Spirit is the teacher. It is the guide and is also the gifter. It equips us to do works of service. The Holy Spirit takes us on this adventure and then equips us along the way. It's not like, okay, let's go do this thing, but uh, you don't have any hiking shoes on. <laughs> you don't have the, the ability to do these things. The Holy Spirit gifts us with the ability to do these things. Gifts us with the wisdom and the discernment. It's a beautiful thing to behold. If you're interested in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and what that looks like for you, maybe you go, I don't know, I've never experienced that. That kind of sounds kind of weird to me. We do this class about once a quarter called Grow. 
And it's a four-hour class, which we talk about uh, who we are as a church, how we're set up, how our uh, how we vote on things and uh, how budgets are made. Uh, that sounds real exciting, right? But we also get, we make it fun. We also talk about how to read the scripture, how to take your next steps in faith. And we also talk about how God has uniquely crafted you and what gifts he's given you, how he uses your personality um, to, to serve the kingdom of God. And if that's something that interests you, when we have our next grow, you want to sign up for that because we spend uh, all morning long delving into that and what that looks like and means for you. It's a fantastic, fantastic thing to be a part of. When we look at the Holy Spirit, a question that comes up, and it comes up all over the place, it comes up in Christianity, it comes up in church circles, it comes up all over the place. Is the Holy Spirit still active? Does the Holy Spirit still do anything? Is the Holy Spirit still effective? With all my heart, I say, yes. In some Christian circles, it's, it's popular to say that, no, the Holy Spirit was only for the apostles. And then after the apostles left, like no one that died, that no one, no one else got gifts of the Holy Spirit. I tell you right now, I could not do my job if I did not believe the Holy Spirit was with me. I would that I, I'm, I would be speechless. <laughs> the idea of, of doing what I do without the Holy Spirit scares the bejeebas out of me. But the idea of missionaries doing what they do, the idea of doing what you do at your work, talking to people about God and just living your life out. Holy Spirit is live and active in us. He hasn't abandoned us. And that promise that Jesus makes, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm sending you the advocate, the guide, the helper. I will not abandon you. That is a promise that we can take and know that we're not by ourselves. We're not alone. It doesn't matter if we are in Timbuktu or in Joliet. It doesn't matter if we are on... uh, the freeway, or if we're in our basement, the Holy Spirit has not left us, abandoned us as orphans. He is with us, teaching us, guiding us, and equipping us. So how do we gauge the Holy Spirit? How does this all work? You've told me why the Holy Spirit's important. you told me what the Holy Spirit does, but how does this work? That's a great question. Thanks for asking. I appreciate it. First step to do this, to kind of engage into the Holy Spirit, to kind of jump over that hurdle, to say, I'm kind of, I don't don't know, this is new territory for me, this, this whole thing is this. Pray to remove all barriers. Pray to remove all barriers. What are barriers? I think sin's a barrier. The stuff in your life, the junk in your life that keeps you from engaging with God. Faulty thinking is a barrier. Ask God. Say, God, I just need you to remove the barriers that exist between me and you. I don't know what those are. Will you show me? If you humbly come before God and say, God, I want you to remove the barriers that are keeping me from you, he will show you, hey, this is it. And you will feel conviction in your heart. Like, this this is the thing. And then the next thing you will feel is, well, I don't want to get rid of that. Now you have a choice to make. Because if we come at this idea of, God, please remove the barriers of my life that are keeping me from interacting with you and you empowering my life so I'm effective in my day-to-day, and I'm living this grand adventure that I know you're calling me to, and we go, "Ah, I want to go over to the RV park. That looked a little hard. And if you go to an RV park, no offense, Dave. 
But pray to remove these barriers. It's a big, huge step. Ask for forgiveness. Ask to be taught. Ask to be corrected. In college, it was really, 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 really popular to pray this like uber spiritual prayer. Lord, just just break me. I want to be broken for you, Jesus. I was like, you guys are stupid. Do you know what that means? I've read Job. Maybe the rest of you haven't read Job, but that's a whole book of the Bible about a guy being broken. And like, every, like you thought you had a bad day? <laughs> right? He's just a bad day after a bad day after a bad day. I'm like, if that's what God's brokenness looks like, nope, 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 not me. It's like, I'm going to pray. I'm going to modify that. Pray, Lord, could you help me be humble? I'm just going to stop there. You don't have to break me. Just humble, all right? Just a few things. And maybe, you know, you can, if you want to be, you know, a hyper spiritual guy, you just go for brokenness and, and Lord bless you. Uh, so, <laughs> it's, it's scary, right? I see too many people, they pray, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be. Well, if you're going to ask for it, it's like praying for patience and then get on I 55. That's. Not, if you want to work on patience, if you want a bad car wreck to be in front of you, hopefully they're safe. If you want things to be stupid in front of you, just pray for patience and get on I-55. Because God's like, well, you want to work on it? Here you go. Praying for patience doesn't give you like infinite patience. It grows like a muscle. Just a little warning. Um, I prayed the wrong way on that one for a long time. Uh, Pray for the gifts of the Spirit. Pray for the gifts of the Spirit. God, I want you to equip me for life. Equip me to minister to my family. Equip me to minister at work. Equip me for these things. Whatever that means for, for, my, for my witness, for, for the way I live my life, God, will you equip me? Pray for that earnestly. Some of us don't have because we never asked for anything like that. And finally, do something bigger than yourself. Do something bigger than yourself. Many of us have never felt the Holy Spirit move in our lives because we have always chosen the safest route. And I know that's true for my own life. And I've, I've told you stories as a church where I felt the Holy Spirit say, do this, do this, do this. And I was like, that is too crazy. I'm not doing it. And I walked away and I've always wondered what would have happened if I would have been obedient what would have happened if I would have gone on that adventure? What would have happened if I would have stepped up? And I don't want to live a kind of life that says a what if. What would have. I just want to go on the adventure with God. What the Holy Spirit does is he teaches, he guides, and equips us for the adventure. I want to pray for you this morning as we dive into the Holy Spirit and what he has for us. That we can live a different and changed life. Ben, come on up. God, thank you so much for today, and thank you for this challenge this morning. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the promise that you will not make us orphans, that you have not abandoned us, that you have not forgotten us, that you will not leave us, that you have equipped us, and that you will equip us, that you want to equip us. God, help us in our decision-making. Help us as we have these huge mountains of, of anxiety around us. Lord, that you would guide us through this adventure, that we would submit to your leadership as you teach us, as you guide us, and as you equip us. Lord, I don't know what's going on in all of our different hearts and minds this morning, but I know of every single one of us that are parents, we are scared to death that we'll do the wrong thing. 
And God, that you would give us the courage to speak truth and life and love into our kids' lives. Every one of us that have a job, we are scared to death that we'll mess it up. And God, that I ask for the courage and the guidance to speak truth and life into wherever we work, to whatever we do, to whoever we love. God, that you would care for us. It would change our hearts. That your word would read into us instead of us reading into it. We love you and we praise your name. Amen.